it wasn't always here. It wasn't always as as present as it is now. Um, and that it you can track the path that created the situation we have. And, and they're, they're outraged when they hear something like, you've got to work 135 hours a week to, to afford a house, a place to live in Washington, DC. They, they get it and they get how wrong that is. Welcome to the Harmony of Interest series, where we explore ideas that shape our world. My name is Evan Papp, and I'm the executive producer for Empathy Media Lab that publishes content on labor, political economy, art, and culture. And we are a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Carone, who is the chief executive officer of Street Sense Media. Street Sense produces journalism, film, theater, photography, audio illustration, and more, all for the purpose of providing economic opportunity for and elevating the voices of people experiencing homelessness. The mission of Street Sense is to end homelessness in Washington, D.C. area by empowering people in need with skills, tools, and confidence to succeed. Brian joined the staff of Street Sense in November 2011. He has over 20 years of experience at nonprofit homeless service and child welfare agencies in the metro area. Brian, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Evan. We appreciate the opportunity to be here. One of my first videos over a decade ago was at Occupy DC and Freedom Plaza with a Street Sense vendor named El Moro. And he read a poem that he wrote and published in Street Sense. And he was selling Street Sense papers. And I've been a fan ever since moving to DC in 2007. So I'm really excited about this conversation. That's mine, thank you. So could you begin by talking about your background and how you got involved with homelessness issues? Sure, it wasn't, it wasn't the plan. I decided between um, what I thought was college and, and grad school I, to take a year off to, to do some service work. Um, I got assigned to a, a project here in Washington, a drop-in center for homeless men and an emergency night shelter. These days we call it a hypothermia prevention program. And you know, I just fell in love with the work. It was, it was a different time. Homelessness was new. There was a lot of palpable outrage, uh, mostly emanating from the faith community, but, but others as well. And DC was one of the, Washington DC was one, one of the centers of activism. Um, and I, I'd been a history major in college. I, I, I appreciated the, you know, the movement for change to try to address this situation, react to it and, and, and end it. We, we clearly not succeeded in that, but uh, I fell in love with the work and, and the folks it brings me in touch with. So for those who've never heard of Street Sense, I did a little bit of an intro, but could you go a little deeper of what Street Sense is and what your day-to-day -day job is? Sure, so we were founded in 2003 using the traditional street paper model. We didn't invent this model. It, it started in actually New York in, in the mid eighties and it's since spread all over the world. Um, and at its most basic, a street newspaper um, writes about the local community most often focusing in on, on extreme poverty and homelessness. And it gives men and women who are homeless and otherwise unemployable a chance to earn some money by vending or selling the newspaper. Um, so today we've got about 130 uh, folks who uh, either are currently or have experienced homelessness who um, sell our newspaper as independent contractors. Uh, we believe very strongly also though in and bringing their voices forward into the community, into the debate, into the conversation. And so from the very beginning, the folks who sell the paper also have an opportunity to write for the paper. And um, I arrived, we, we were, uh, I think about eight years old when I arrived in 2011, and we, we still had that very traditional model. And what, what we did a couple years later is we looked at what the newspaper was, where it was most successful and why. Um, it, it, 
was raising people's self-esteem, who was putting them in touch with people and community they otherwise would not have had contact with. Um, and it was educating the public. Um, and we began trying to replicate what the newspaper was across other platforms, the, the first of which we, we partnered with two playwrights from George Washington University here in Washington and began a theater workshop um, that, that began doing performances later that year in 2015. Um, and then followed by, by film, we produced, five, we produced six films um, to date, um, all, of, all in some way around the, the story of homelessness. Um, but most importantly, and we, we do photography, illustration and graphic design and, and podcasts. And in each of these areas, like the original newspaper, which is still very much our, our flagship project, men and women learn how to produce this media, whether it's writing or getting behind a camera and producing a film um, or learning illustrate the skills of illustration um, or photography or, or, or audio, audio engineering for podcasts. So in addition to telling stories, they're also picking up portable job skills as well. Yeah, I absolutely love the model of skill building, of people finding their voice. Um, there's dignity in actually getting paid uh, for the work as well. And where is the newspaper printed out, um, printed around? Because you, you do, um, you, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how the pandemic has changed it, but where generally was it printed out? Um, so just so you know, we are, we are back to print publication. We had a short uh, pause in that during the pandemic or in the early days of the pandemic, but we resumed um, last summer. Um, we, the, the newspaper is, is you know, put together, published, written here in, in our offices in Washington, DC, and then it's electronically sent to a printer on the Eastern shore about two hours away and, and they deliver it you know, anywhere from uh, 12 to six hours later, depending by, by, by how much we miss our deadlines. Um, and it's been it's it's been that that's been the the process since since we began in two thousand and three. And you can find street sense vendors all around DC. They're they're willing they're wearing the the street sense vest, and they're selling it on the corner. And I think everyone should absolutely read this paper and uh, engage more with uh, you know the people and and who are telling these stories. So could you talk about what it means to criminalize homelessness? Sure, and we see this all across the country. Um, you know, folks are homeless for a lot of complicated reasons, um, but it can usually be boiled down to the gap between wages and uh, the cost of housing, um, or the level of support we provide for persons with permanent disabilities, uh, physical and, 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 and mental health related. Um, and uh, some communities are doing their best to try to uh, do creative affordable housing. Uh, others are trying to sort of uh, legalize it away, make it go away by making it illegal to loiter um, or sit in the same place, um, making it illegal to sleep outside, um, pan making panhandling illegal, um, breaking up encampments, which, which our current mayor has been very fond of doing here in DC. Um, you know, what, what I know about folks who are living outside is they have by and large tried the shelters um, and found them uninhabitable, um, unsafe, uh, unsanitary, and not good for them uh, and for their health. So the folks who are living in the encampments are doing the best they can to create community to protect each other and to protect each other from the elements um, and, and to just get by. Um, and as is happening in many, many cities, it's also happening here in DC, 
you know, a lot of those encampments have, have just been torn down and people's tents have been thrown away and people just told them to move on. And I think it's such an indication of the society that we live in on how we treat the least among us with the least amount of means. And that's where I'm so interested in the policy side of things and what the federal government can do. And living in Washington, DC, there's trillions of dollars of revenue raised. There's even more trillions through the Federal Reserve that is spent. And there's been some recent media about President Biden's efforts to fund more housing initiatives through the Housing and Urban Development um, Agency led by Marsha Fudge. And uh, Washington Post even did a interview with Wall Street banker turned Federal Reserve President Jerome Powell going on record that we need to reduce homelessness and he refers to a homeless encampment outside of the Federal Reserve, which was involved with $7 trillion of outlays uh, beginning in September 2019, uh, even before COVID started to, to prop up Wall Street banks. So I just want to ask a little bit about what are some of the key policies that we should be pushing to help end homelessness? And what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts about uh, some of Biden's developments? Sure. So, you know, when I began doing this work, that the approach was based essentially could be described or, or, or characterized as, as housing last. Um, you had to uh, save up X amount of dollars if you were struggling with addiction. You had to be sober for six months or more. You, if you were um, suffering from mental illness, you had to be engaged successfully in a treatment plan before housing would even be discussed or, or, or put up as an opportunity. The, the very best approach that governments across the country, especially at the local level, have taken is, is called housing first. Um, it essentially it, it targets those who are furthest away, most in need, um, most vulnerable, and it provides them with housing and, and wraparound services, but most easily seen in a, a case manager, someone who will check in on them, help them link to other services. And, and what has been discovered, Evan, is that these programs, while they are expensive, actually save much more money than they cost um, because the police aren't responding to someone who's urinating in public or someone isn't having to spend an overnight in jail. And most importantly, uh, folks are, be, are engaging in the healthcare that they need, not just cycling through emergency rooms. Um, they're getting better in a way that they couldn't when they were living on the streets. And taxpayers are benefiting from these programs. I mean, at, at this point, it, it's just economic insanity if we're not investing in these housing first programs. And I'm also a big fan of this concept of the economic bill of rights that everyone's guaranteed a house. And at the same time, if the private market doesn't deliver jobs, then people can give me, people can get a job and be able to support themselves and their families. So, I mean, it, in, in this city, you've got to be working essentially if you're a minimum wage worker, three full time jobs, which is pretty much impossible um, to be able to afford housing for you and your family. And, and, and that gap, as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, between the cost of housing and wages, we have to do something about that. Um, because it's just plain wrong in a nation as wealthy as ours. But as, as I was just speaking about, about in the, with the Housing First model, it, it just doesn't make economic sense. Um, homelessness is far too costly. The solution is, is much more, uh, much less expensive. So one of the headlines from Street Sense recently is, um, quote, as it's more comprehensive report on homelessness lags years behind, critics question HUD's data. So. Could you talk a little bit about what is the data? How many homeless 
people are in Washington, D.C., and if you want to use also national numbers. And how can we do a better job to at least begin to even understand the, the, the scope of the problem? Sure. So the, the official count would suggest that there are between seven and 8,000 people who are homeless in D.C., um, and it's a number that has uh, you know, stayed pretty stagnant for many years now. Um, that number is derived via what is called a point in time survey. If, if your community wants to compete for um, scarce uh, federal housing dollars and, and homeless assistance dollars, you have to conduct a point in time survey, which is essentially a one day count of the number of people who are homeless. Um, and what advocates like myself have said forever, um, always, these, are, these, these counts have been, uh, been required for far more than 20 years now, is, is that they're, they're grossly inaccurate. They're, they're, they miss far too many people. They also don't take into account, you know, folks who are couch surfing, for instance. They don't have their name on a lease. You know, an, an argument can, can put them out um, as opposed to a judge evicting them. Um, and, you know, so, so the estimates, you know, probably are in more in the 20 to 30,000. Uh, between folks who are genuinely homeless but weren't counted um, and those folks who don't have their name in a lease um, and are living uh, very unstably. And that's 20,000 in a city of about 650 to 750,000? Sure. For, for too many years, D.C. per capita has, has had the highest rate of homelessness in, in the country. And then you look at cities like Los Angeles or New York. I mean, I, th I think the last count in Los Angeles was close to 70,000. Um, in, in LA County. And you know, again, that's, you've got to presume that's an undercount. I mean, one year, I think they counted 35 unaccompanied youth that were homeless. And, and, and we know that there, there's, that number's in the hundreds every night here in the city. Uh, again, a lot of them are just are couch surfing or, or, or just not being seen, making sure that they're not seen and not, being, not drawing attention to themselves. So talking about the dignity of just human beings on the street, there's so many people who see homelessness and they don't want to confront it. They don't want to see it. Uh, makes them feel uncomfortable, but there's a human being there. What do you tell people to try to humanize homelessness? The first thing I do is I ask them to, to imagine their extended family and, and none of us have to, to dive too deep into extended family to find someone who's experienced domestic violence or uh, chronic mental illness or substance abuse and alcoholism or, or drug abuse. Um, all of us, every American family uh, experiences those issues either in the household of origin or you know, maybe with a cousin or an uncle or an aunt. Um, those are some of the gateways, you know, beyond the economics, those are some of the gateways into homelessness. Um, and to try to help us understand that these are people, they were born into families, they, they had dreams and hopes, um, they, they did their best to get, to get an education, um, and their life uh, ran off the rails. Um, and, you know, what, what we have the privilege here of doing in homelessness is, is being in relationship with people. Um, and, and what we find again and again and again is the commonality and the common ground we share. Um, we can see the turning points in each of our lives towards success or towards homelessness um, or you know, economic ruin. Um, uh, and we should understand that it, it, it is an issue that affects all of us in one way or another. Um, so what, what I ask people to do is, is have conversation. 
Um, don't treat a person who's homeless as, as invisible. You know, the folks that we work with understand the transformation, powerful opportunities in, that, that are in storytelling. Um, and, and they enjoy telling their story. They know that around their story, they can build relationship and build community. Um, and so anytime someone sees one of our folks out, out selling a newspaper, ask them, you know, how did you end up here? Uh, tell me your story. And, and, and our folks are, are proud to tell those stories. So how can people support Street Sense Media? Uh, you know, overwhelmingly, um, our support comes from individual donors. Um, first off, we, I'd ask folks to buy our newspaper, um, to read the newspaper, to, to learn about the issue and learn about the people it, it affects. Um, and if, if they're moved by what they read, if they believe the model, um, we, we would appreciate people's financial support. You can, you can go to our website, streetsensemedia.org. Um, and click on the donate button and, and uh, send your funds our way and, and we put them to work. We're a very lean organization, uh, very small administrative staff and, and overwhelmingly about 80 cents of every dollar, more than 80 cents of every dollar goes into direct services to, to, to the men and women we serve. So in closing, where do you see opportunity and hope? You know, as I said, the, the housing model is spreading a little too slowly, um, but it is spreading that idea that, that there is a solution. Um, I think we are understanding that there's been a massive failure in providing um, mental health services in this country. It's not something we talked about much today, um, but uh, we've got to do better than that. And I, I think people are beginning to understand that. Uh, people are beginning to understand the cost of homelessness. Um, and in our case, you know, more and more people are, are reading our paper every day and, and, and learning more about, about the issue and about the people it affects. I also have hope, you know, I, I, we meet with a lot of, of college students and high school students every year, um, whether it's, it's at an informational session or a forum or, or one of our theater or film performances. Um, and these are folks who seem to genuinely care about the issue. Uh, they're surprised to learn it. It wasn't always here. It wasn't always as as present as it is now, um, and that it you can track the path that created the situation we have. And, and they're they're outraged when they hear something like, "You've got to work 135 hours a week to to afford a house, a place to live in Washington D.C." They, they get it, and they get how wrong that is. Um, so my hope is that we can rekindle that sense of outrage, um, and do what's wise, and, and invest in solutions. Ryan Carone, thank you so much for your time and all the work that you're doing. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate the conversation.